Well, let me begin today with just asking you a question. What battle stands before you? What battle are you facing? What is going on in your life that seems to be difficult, that seems to be strange, that seems to be something that is causing you some turmoil, some stress, some worry? What battle is facing you that seems to be overwhelming? Well, we are still in the book of Joshua, and we're going to be looking at a lot of battles. We're going to be looking at how to be confident in a world that is filled with obstacles bigger than us. How do we proceed with confidence in a world that seems to be so shaky, built on, on, on the sand, and we don't know what tomorrow may hold? Let me declare to you today, because of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we can walk in confidence, we can walk with our head up, we can proceed forward in the battle. Abraham Lincoln, when he was in the midst of the Civil War, he was asked by one of his commanders, or a commander made a comment to him and said, Mr. President, I hope God is on our side. In which Abraham Lincoln simply replied these words. And I quote, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. For God is always right. Too often we try to get God on our side to fight the battle for us rather than us getting on God's side and fighting the battle He wants us to fight. Because sometimes His battle is not our battle. So we must come to Him in an idea with our battles and the things that we're facing today with open hands. Somebody just open your hands and put them out right now. We're going to come to this today, this scripture, with open hands, taking what we have before us and just letting it go. We come to Joshua chapter 5, where a man who has been waiting for 40 years to cross over into a promised land that he knew was beautiful and bountiful and was absolutely stupendous, he knew how great the promised land was, and for 40 years he had to wait. God finally told him, Joshua, get ready. You're going to cross over, and everywhere you put your foot is going to be yours. Joshua didn't call a committee together. He didn't have a, have a meeting of the minds. Once God spoke, he went and told all the leaders, said, Boys, pack your bags. In three days, we're going across the river. You can read uh, from Joshua chapter 1 through Joshua 4 and into Joshua chapter 5 of that journey of crossing the Jordan. And let me tell you something. Not only did they cross the Jordan, they had to cross it when it was at flood level. The Jordan was flooding. And I don't know if you've been aware of the flooding potential, but floods are dangerous. Floods will destroy things. Floods usually contain rapid moving water. And so when he looked at this river and it was at flood stage, he knew God was going to deliver. He didn't try to build a bridge. He didn't try to go around it. He just let God tell him what to do. And God said, you, you take those priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and as soon as they touch that water, it's going to divide. Let me tell you something. God was doing for Joshua what he had done for Moses 40 years earlier crossing the Red Sea. They crossed the Jordan on dry ground. God made the waters divide, and they crossed on dry ground. A duplication of the miracle that happened when they left Egypt is now taking place as they leave the wilderness and go into the promised land. That's not by coincidence, ladies and gentlemen. 
If you remember last week as we were looking in chapter 2 how Rahab said, Hey, we heard how all of you crossed on dry ground from the Red Sea and our hearts have melted. We've been afraid that you guys were coming. So here is God duplicating that same miracle once again. Not only to remind the children of Israel that he's got this, but also so that the people in the land will be aware that, yeah, God's got this. Now here's what we find very interesting is that as soon as they cross over the Jordan, there are some things that are taken away from them. The manna. God had been providing them every day, six days a week, manna on the sixth day, double portion, so they would not have to gather on the seventh day and they could rest. God had been providing manna for how long? Forty years. Not only that, but the, the relaxed environment and life that they lived where there were no circumcisions, circumcisions and there were no Passover would end. They would begin to celebrate the Passover. They would begin to circumcise once again. So once they got into the promised land, there were some things that they picked up and one thing that they lost. But let me tell you something that didn't change. God's power, God's presence, and God's glory. So when we are going through life and it seems like some things are taken away and some things get added, there's one thing that never changes and that is the greatness of our God. So listen, ladies and gentlemen. As we get into this scripture today, this is a section of scripture I believe has been neglected too long. It's been overlooked and it's been overshadowed by the experience of Moses and God at the burning bush. We're going to get into that in a second. Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. Now I'm going to go slowly through this scripture because I don't want you to miss the power of what's here because I don't even know if you've ever read this before or even have heard it. It's not something we talk about in Sunday school. So here we go. Verse 13. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho. I'm going to stop right there because there is so much power in just those few words. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho. The first thing that we can notice, and you can write this down. If you don't have the outline notes, they're at each of the doors. You can do it on the Bible app on the event. You can also download it online. But I want you to follow along because I believe today's message is for someone who needs to hear about the battle you're facing. Joshua, he, it came about when he was by Jericho. Now remember, Jericho is a large city. It has big walls, tall walls, and it's huge. But he's by it. Now, here is something you don't necessarily see said, but it's there. First thing is this. He did not let the absence of a directive from God paralyze him. See, when he was on the other side of the Jordan, God came to him and said, Joshua, get ready. You need to cross. Yes, sir. You read at the beginning of chapter number 3, I believe, and it says that Joshua got up early in the morning. He's ready. Let's go. Let's cross this Jordan. 
he gets the people. God speaks to him says, Okay, now Joshua, I want you to go back to the middle of the river. I want you to get 12 stones and pile them up. And I want you to get 12 stones and take them with you so that when your children ask, What are these 12 stones for? So that when your children ask, Can I say that just one more time? So that when your children ask, you'll be able to declare what God has done for you. There's a principle in that, that, that that's a sermon all of itself. And i got to throw this out. Now, this isn't in my notes. This is free of charge. I, this is a, a rabbit. Here, here you go. Why did God want them to put 12 stones in the middle of a river that was going to be covered up by the floodwaters? Think about this. So that when the droughts came, they could look out there and see those 12 stones and say, God delivered us through the flood. He'll deliver us through the drought. Now, when we look at this scripture... God gives Joshua's directions about Passover, about the circumcision. God gives directions and saying, hey, the man is going to stop. You can now eat from this promised land. But we don't see where God gives him anything else to do. But here's what Joshua did. With purpose in his heart, he said, I'm not sitting around. He's not going to just be at home flipping through the channels going, well, I'm going to wait for God to tell me something to do. Because he understood God had already told him something on the other side of the Jordan. And that was, you're going to take the promised land. I've given it to you and it's yours. So Joshua wasn't waiting for God to tell him the next move. He had faith that God had already told him something. And God's going to tell him what to do next. And he just went for it. Let me tell you, do not get paralyzed by not knowing what God wants you to do next. Think through it. Start moving and trust God to help you. If you're going in the wrong direction, my God's big enough to pull you back. It's better to go in the wrong direction and let God pull you back than you sit at home and do nothing. Twiddle your thumbs and simply say, well, I'm just waiting on God. Pastor, I'm going to go to church when God moves me to go. Let me tell you, God declared in His Word, do not uh, fail to assemble yourselves together. So those people who think they can be Christians at home are missing part of what God has already said. Now I know. Now listen, I know you're at home. I love you. And you can't be here. I understand that. So this wasn't directed at you, okay? But that is directed at those people who think, well, when I feel moved by God to go to church, I'll go. And they just continue to live their life far from God because they refuse to do what God's already asked them to do. Joshua was not that kind of man. He had purpose in his heart. He understood the power of God and the directive of God, and he was not going to let the absence of the next step cause him to be paralyzed. What about you in your life? Do you have a great battle that you feel like you're fighting and you haven't gotten a directive from God about what to do next? Well, don't sit back and do nothing. Begin to move in faith. Take a step. You know, I remember whenever I was faced with a decision that logically, there was one decision that logically didn't make any sense. And another one made a lot of logical sense. If I choose to stay at a church and play in their band and play bass, I would continue to grow spiritually and it would be a blessing. But the other one was, well, if I stay with this gospel group, I'm not going to be in Sunday school and growing like I've been growing. It's going to be that running around. And there's not even a band to play with. I'm, I'm, I'm playing bass with soundtracks. Have you ever seen a bass player play by himself with nothing but soundtracks? I did it. And for me, it logically didn't make any sense. But one night, after struggling 
on my knees, I took a step of faith and I said, God, I'm going to do the illogical because I feel like that's what you want me to do. I'm going to step out on faith and do what doesn't make sense. This other one sounds good and it seems right, but I'm going to go on faith. I want you to know that one decision defined the rest of my life. So when it comes to a battle you're facing or a decision you have to make, don't sit back and do nothing. We must take a step of faith and trust God that He's big enough that if we make a mistake, He can fix it and correct us. So don't become paralyzed. Joshua was not paralyzed because it says here, now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho. He wasn't at home. He wasn't talking to his generals. He went out to see Jericho because Jericho would be the first obstacle he would have to overcome and he would face. Second thing is this. He did not let the obstacle before him dissuade his faith or his mission. God had given him a mission. God had given him a passion. God had, he had faith that God would direct him and he would not let the obstacle of that city dissuade, discourage, downgrade his faith and his mission. God called him to do something. He was going to do it. Let me tell you something. The coronavirus is not an excuse to not do what God has asked you to do. I'm sorry. I just felt impressed to say that. I may have stepped on somebody's toes. Do not let the coronavirus keep you from doing what God's called you to do. If God's asked you to do something, you better do it. Don't wait. Just do it. God is, God is much bigger than the coronavirus. He even sees every germ with the coronavirus. I have even prayed for people. And I have asked God... God, you can see every little bit of virus. You send angels to kill it and protect this individual. The coronavirus is not bigger than God. Amen. What is bigger than God is you obeying and doing what He's asked you to do. And He will direct you. Now, Joshua had some obstacles. Number one, his obstacle was himself. I want you to think about this for a moment. Joshua was not experienced. He was an experienced military leader. He did not serve as a general for years and years. He did not go to Harvard and to, uh, what's that military school up north? Um, what is it? West Point. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. West Point. He didn't go to West Point to learn about military strategy and things of that nature. He was simply, he began as what? A slave in Egypt who saw God work, who wound up fighting some battles with a bunch of people who had no experience, and they won and then got stuck in the wilderness because ten people didn't believe God. Hey, it wasn't his fault he had to wander around the wilderness, right? No, let's not think like that. Joshua understood, there's obstacles before me and I will not be dissuaded. I will not be moved. I have a, a, a passion and a direction from God and I'm following it. So he did not have military experience. And he was about to have to lead an attack on a fortified city with walls that were 20, 25 feet thick. They were high enough to have multiple levels of houses Multiple floors in this wall. Big doors. They were almost invincible. That was an obstacle. And within himself, he had to battle with the idea, what am I going to do? God had not given him direction. God had not given him his next 
step. He was not, he was not equipped with great armament. He didn't have a tank. He didn't have a bazooka. He didn't even have a catapult. But yet, he knew before him set a great obstacle. What would he do? How would he respond? Well, what I love is that he was found by Jericho. He was not going to let the obstacle get in the way of his faith, his mission. And he did not let the lack of knowing what the next step was paralyze him. He was going to go forward. So let's read on. I want everybody to follow along in, in their scriptures because this good, gets good. I want you to look down at your Bible and read this right now. I'm going to begin in verse 13 and we're going to read all of 13 and 14 and 15. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. All of a sudden, Joshua is there spying out Jericho. And behold, he looks, and there stands a man with a sword. Now Joshua being a man with purpose and mission in his heart, sees this man with a sword, and the first thing he thinks, this man's a warrior. This man has come to fight. And since he's come to fight, I need to know whose side he's on. Is he on my side or their side? Whose side is he on? So Joshua comes to the man with the sword and simply asks him, Are you for us or are you against us? That's the Dahlonega version, okay? Are you for us or against us? Right there. That's the Clyde Dahlonega translation. You for us or against us? And here's the interesting thing. That man took Joshua to the place where he was ready to fight him. He could have retreated, couldn't he? Joshua could have said, Hope, that must be a guy from Jericho. I'm going over here. No. Joshua looks at him, comes to him, and says, Are you for us or are you against us? Which is it? I believe Joshua had his hand on his sword, ready to fight if he said against you. But what I love is what he said next. Joshua was so intent on what needed to happen, he almost missed who that was standing there with him. Don't miss this, ladies and gentlemen. This is huge. Here is Joshua following God's orders, doing what he said. He's got this great obstacle. He's got this mission. And here he is. Are you for us or against us? He said, no, rather, I indeed come now as the captain of the host of the Lord. Other words, you're asking the wrong question, Joshua. I'm not for you, and I'm not against you. 
I am the captain of the Lord's army. Now listen to me. You may be fighting a battle right now and you may think you're all alone and God's nowhere to be around. But if you'll just look opposite you, there's probably a man standing with a sword, an angel standing there ready to fight for you. When you follow God in faith and obey, He's going to show up and He's going to show you the way. He's going to fight your way. He's going to be there. This encounter is highly important for Joshua. Now, here's what I don't want you to miss in Scripture. He said, No, rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face. Why do you think he fell on his face? What do you think he realized? <laughs> oh, snap. I just threatened God himself. I want you to think about it. Because when we look at this scripture now, I'm going to give to you some evidence that may indicate whether this was actually God or not. Now you can say, well, it says it's, a, it's they're in charge. Of, I'm going to give you all this stuff. Now remember, God has already done the miracle of crossing the Jordan just like he did the Red Sea. Moses encountered God where? At the burning bush. God can show up and show himself in whatever way is necessary for the person who needs to see him. You got me? Now, I want you to follow here. He said, no, rather I indeed come now as the captain of the host of the Lord. Now, there are some theologians that say this is an angel. This is Gabriel. This is somebody who's in charge of a whole host of angels. But in a moment, I'm going to walk you through how... This could very well be an encounter with God and Jesus Himself. Here's the third thing I want you to, to write down. Joshua had courage and resolve. He was so tuned in to doing what God asked him to do, that even when God showed up, he mistook the moment as a God moment, but yet God brought him right back to where he needed to be. Do you see that? There's scriptural evidence that if you'll just move forward, God's going to get you in the right place. No, rather, I indeed come now as a captain of the host of the Lord. I come as the captain of the, the army of the Lord. I can't wait to get into who, who that was in a moment. Let me ask you a question. Where are you going? What are you fighting? Is the battle yours? Are you going to a place that you feel is appropriate for yourself, appropriate for where you need to be, or are you going where God's directed you to go? Are you pursuing the things in your life that God has asked you to pursue, or are you pursuing your own dreams and hopes that God will get on your side? Let me remind you, that this encounter is absolute biblical fact and truth. That it doesn't matter if God is on your side. You need to always, 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 let me say it again, always be on His side. Because then you don't have to worry whether He's on your side or not. No longer do we have to have the anxiety. I hope God's with me. Well, if you're on God's side, He's going to be with you. If you're obeying and walking forward in faith. Basically what Joshua says here. Verse 14. 
Know rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? He simply said, What has my Lord has to say to me? Speak now. I will do whatever you say. It wasn't because of his size. It wasn't because of his sword. It was because of who he was. And when he spoke, Joshua knew immediately this was not simply a man. This was actually a divine, absolute divine message. And it caused him to fall to the ground on his face. Wow! See, this is such an incredible encounter. Andy Andrews said, with passion you will overcome unsurmountable obstacles. You will become unstoppable. When you've got a passion and a drive in your heart, you will accomplish things you never thought possible. But let me tell you, the most important ingredient is making sure that that passion and that purpose and that resolve is grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ and God and it's in His Word. If it's not in here, you better get off the ship. This is the way to go. And Joshua was going on what the Word of God had told him to do. Did he have all the answers? No. Do you have all the answers? No. But when he took that step of faith, God revealed himself. Next week we're going to hear a little bit more about what he finds out. The presence of the Holy God sanctified that spot. Look, look at this. I'm going to start getting into some of these Reasons why this is not just an angel. I'm just going to present this to you. You make your own decision. I want you to look at verse 15. The captain of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. He was saying, Take your feet off. Joshua, for where you are standing is holy ground. Tell me, who else was told to take their sandals off for they were standing on holy ground? Moses. Has any other time in Scripture do we find an angel telling someone to take your shoes off because you're on holy ground? No. What made that ground holy? It had to be the presence of God. Had to be the presence of God for one. Was this just an angel of Yahweh? Or an appearance of Christ or God Himself? Well, saying take your shoes off actually is a replica of what happens to Moses when he hears directly from God. Let's go on from there. Joshua fell on his face. And what do you do when you fall on your face? What's the word? We've done it before I got up to preach. We always call it what? Worship? Nowhere in Scripture will you read where we are to worship angels or saints. Right, Miss Edith? We're not to worship angels. We're not to worship saints. We don't bow down to angels. As a matter of fact, in one place you will read where someone responds to an angel and bows down to the angel and the angel says, Get up. Don't worship me. Don't do that. No. But here you do not see this happening. The Lord of the host, the army of the Lord's host, uh, the host of the Lord's army, it's hard to say, does not tell Joshua to get up, don't worship. Rather, he says, while you're down there, Joshua, take your feet off. This is holy ground. 
chapter 6. Let me just read to you how this flows together. We're going to get into chapter 6 in the next week. I'm going to start with verse 14, 15, and then go to verse 2 of chapter 6. Listen to this. He said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to earth and bowed down and said to him, Speak now, your servant is listening, O Lord. The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Take your shoes off, Joshua. You're standing on holy, you're, you are on holy ground. And Joshua did so. Verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. You see how this flows right together and it is the Lord speaking in chapter 6. There is evidence here to suggest, ladies and gentlemen, what Joshua encountered wasn't simply an angel sent by God, but God's presence himself. And if that is so, and if that is true, I submit to you that if you're in a battle and you're fighting something right now, that God's presence himself can be with you. And we know that because of what? The cross of Jesus Christ. Now, Ryan, I want you to just put your hand right on top of that sword for me for a second. Move your other hand. Now, I want to ask you a question. What shape is that sword? What? A cross. It's almost as if God knows what He's doing and He's put all this stuff together with a plan. It's like all the little cogs are, are, are fitting together and every little thing is making sense. That, you know, God is so big that the man could have been standing there with an armored tank. If God's going to send the captain of the Lord's army, I mean, why not just send a bazooka to put in his hand? God's God. Why did it have to be a sword? Well, it's because of the time frame. God's God. Don't you know he could have sent a bazooka? Come on. But God sends a sword. God sent a sword, I believe, to send us a sign to say, Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you this. Jesus Christ died on the cross so He can be present with you right now and fight your battle with you. Last week we talked about how God went before them to prepare the people for the battle. But today it's about God's right there with you to fight with you. This is powerful stuff. Because when it refers to this as the angel, the, the host of the Lord's army, who's really in control of the Lord's army? The Lord. Whose army is it? The Lord. Some translations talks about this is the angel of the Lord. It could be the Lord manifesting Himself in a physical form. Now, for some of you, you may not be aware of this, but God shows Himself in many places in Old Testament in human form. Jesus was not the first time. You can find it in the book of Genesis. In other places in Scripture where God shows up, He showed up. As a bush, surely the goodness he can show up as a man holding a sword. So here is Joshua experiencing a moment that would radically change him. He did not let the lack of direction keep him at home. But he stepped forward in faith and began to move forward. And when he did, he had courage, he had resolve. He looked at the obstacle, but it was not 
bigger than his God and what God had told him to do. So here's what I want you to write down about the encounter. The encounter is obedience and faith today brings the Lord's army to fight for you. Obedience and faith today brings the Lord's army to fight for you. You want God to show up? Start doing what He's asked so that He can work in your life. He, he may be standing there with a sword ready to fight and He's going, come on. But yet you're over here with your back turned going, I want to do my own little thing. God, God, would you come and fight for me? I just want to do my own thing over here. I know you've said this is wrong, but come on, God, everybody else is doing it. I'd look weak if I didn't say those things. And God's waiting the whole time for you to just take a step in faith and obedience to do what He's asked you to do so He can fight. Joshua fell on his face and worshipped. When you read Exodus chapter 3, one last bit of evidence. Exodus chapter 3 verse 2. You don't have to flip there, but if you want to, you can or write it down and, and go back to it. Listen to this. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. So here back in Exodus, God's presence in the burning bush that we all understand that was Yahweh is referred to as the angel of the Lord. Joshua encounters God and as soon as he begins to speak, bam, Joshua hits the deck. He says, speak to me. Whatever you say, I'll do. I guarantee you, Joshua's shoes came flying off. When God said, take your sandals off, Joshua went, yes, sir. Sandals gone. They're off. This is holy ground. He was on his face. Joshua was surprised at the clarity of God's presence at that moment. You may not think God is present and God is ready to fight for you, but let me tell you something. He is there. And when you follow in faith and move forward, He's going to show Himself and you're going to probably be surprised. And I hope and pray to God that you fall down in worship because worship on holy ground is the best thing and the best place to be. The army of the Lord was surely not limited in what it would be doing in the battle. This experience was significant for Joshua. He had thought he would have to take the city. He had thought he would have to devise a plan. He had thought, I'm going to have to come up with some way to take that city. But God had promised to him in chapter 1, Joshua, I've already given you that city. And when God has made a promise, it is his responsibility to fulfill it. Do not get in His way. Can I say that again? When God has made a promise, it is His responsibility to fulfill it and bring it to pass. Do not get in God's way. You know why I said that? Because we can. We can get in God's way. We can see it throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture. We can get in the way of God doing a great thing. Moses 
his song that is recorded in Exodus 15. He says, the Lord is my strength and song. He is He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise Him. My Father's God and I will extol Him. The Lord is a warrior and the Lord is His name. God is not a mamby-pamby, love-everybody God. He is a God that is a warrior. And if you got a fight to fight and an obstacle before you and a battle that you are facing, let me tell you, God is there to go right with you through that battle. Now, He he may not say, you sit over here while I fight the battle. You may have to fight the battle, but guess who's right there by your side? Praise God, it is Him Himself. It is God Himself who is there with us. Christ is our commander. That overcomes for us. Jesus himself overcame death, hell, and the grave. Don't you think he can overcome your problem? Don't you think he can overcome your obstacle? Don't you think he can give you direction? And if you'll follow that, he is going to do something greater than you ever thought possible. Man, I love this story about Joshua. How Joshua's out there and he turns and looks and there is a man ready to fight. And he tries to figure out, is he going to fight with me or against me? And he's ready to fight him. And then he finds out, that's God himself. Or even if you want to be persuaded that it was just an angel of God. Either way, he was the commander of what? The army of God. Didn't matter what kind of experience Israel had. It didn't matter what kind of weapons that they held. What mattered was that God's army was going to be doing the fighting. Praise God for that, that there was a there was a, a man named Jesus Christ that left heaven, came to earth, who lived a perfect life, died on a cross, fought the battle of sin, conquered death, hell, and the grave, so that I can have that victory in my life, that one day when I die, I get to go to heaven, and right now... I can pray and God will hear me because of the battle He fought for me. Let me tell you, there's no need for me to hang my head. Sometimes I get caught up in myself and I will. But I got a God who's fighting for us. He's fighting with us. And He will send a host of the army, His army, to fight. Let me tell you, maybe you're facing doubt. Maybe you're facing fear. Maybe your battle is just simply... You just don't know. You're not sure. Let me tell you. God has made it clear in His Word what you need to be about and what you need to be doing. There's purposes and there's missions that is written in Scripture that if we will live those out every single moment of our day, we will transform the world for the good. So today, what must I do? The last thing is this. Give the battle to the Lord. That's why I had mentioned opening your hands today. Give the battle to the Lord. Your seven-day challenge is going to go like this. With your hand open this week, every day, I want you to open your hand. And I want you to acknowledge every day that the battle belongs to the Lord and not you. Every day this week, open your hand in your own personal time with the Lord. It may be around the dinner table or lunch. It may be at breakfast. It may be when you're praying in the morning or before you get out of your car to go into work or go into the doctor's office, whatever. You just take a moment. Open your hands physically and say, Lord, 
The battle is yours and not mine. Now, why would I say open your hand? Because we like to do like this. Lord, the battle is yours. It's all yours, Lord. And keep our hands tightly snug to the thing that's keeping us comfortable. So open your hand this week and just simply say, Lord, the battle belongs to you. You are the commander Understand what happened. Joshua thought he was in charge, but as soon as he found this man standing there with the sword and and he understood who it was and he's on his face, he realized, I'm not the commander. Nope, not the commander. He's the commander. I'm just the servant. Our problem with facing battles is we try to be the commander and we want God to be our servant and do what we want Him to do to fix it. Gina, would you come and begin to play? Ryan, thank you for your help today. This morning, this day, I don't know what battle you're facing. I don't know how difficult this week's been or how difficult this week is going to be coming up. But I can tell you one thing. Be on God's side in the middle of it. Don't try to get God on your side to fight your battle. Get on God's side and let the battle just be won. God fought a battle 2,000 years ago for, for your soul. He fought a battle for your soul to be secure so that one day when you breathe your last, you'll know heaven is your home. That may be someone's biggest battle today is you've been fighting this. You've been fighting against it. You wanted to logically understand it. You wanted to wait for something to happen. But it's simple this. He's already fought the battle and he's waiting for you to take a step of faith. If Joshua had stayed home and waited for someone to show up at his door and knock and say, Joshua, you need to be out there next to Jericho. You know who he would have missed? God. Standing there Letting him know, my army is coming to fight with you. God has already done the fighting on the cross. If you are not sure that if you drew your last breath today, don't wait another day, don't wait another hour, don't wait another moment. Make that decision right now. Ask God to forgive you and take over your life. As a matter of fact, would you bow your head and close your eyes right now? Whether you breathe your last breath or God comes and Jesus comes and the rapture takes place, either way, your decision right now will make the difference. Make preparations and plans now. If you're not sure about heaven, but you are sure you've messed up, you're in the perfect place. You're right where God needs you to be to take a step of faith and to ask Him to forgive you and take over your life. So with every head bowed, every eyes closed, and they're at home, if you want to acknowledge and say, I want Jesus to take over my life right now. I want Him to be the Lord of my life. I want Him to fight that battle, the, the one He's already won. I want Him 
to take over my life. I want to be born again and be sure that when I die, I'll go to heaven. Then right now, just raise your hand or push that little thing that says raise your hand to make that decision right now online. It's the most important decision that you'll make of your life to simply repeat and just say this, God, forgive me and take over my life. Lord, may you transform that young man's life. Change him from the inside out. Lord, you fought the battle long ago for us and you died on the cross, you rose from the grave so that you could bring to us a victory that we just simply have to take with a step of faith. Thank you, Father, that I know of one that has acknowledged and raised their hand today to say, I'm accepting Christ. And maybe for you, you've been saved for a long time, but you're facing a battle, you're facing struggles, and this whole coronavirus, you're over it. You're done with it. You wish it would go away. You wish all the fighting. You just wish the, 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 the TV would just stop playing ads and you'd stop hearing them on the radio of all the fighting and the fussing and the arguing and all the backbiting and all this ugly that's in our culture. You want it to go away, but can I tell you something? God has not changed his mission is in, not any different. His power is still as powerful as it was when He parted the Red Sea. What will you choose this day to do? Maybe right now you need to just start to challenge and just open your hand where you are and say, Lord, the battle is not mine. It is yours. And surrender it to Him. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your power and your grace and your Holy Spirit and how it works. Pray today, Lord, that this part of Scripture will never be erased or forgotten from our memories of Joshua moving forward, even though he didn't know what to do next, but you showed up to help him and let him know. God, we thank you for your presence, that we can know for certain what you want us to do when we walk by faith. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.